evening, and we do have handouts, so if you weren't able to get one of those, you could probably get someone's attention in the back and get a handout, or you can take uh, notes on your own in some way or another. Um, As we come to Philippians 3, we're looking at a uh, Christ-centered mindset, and uh, specifically we're looking at Uh, The person who had the Christ-centered mindset, Paul the Apostle. Uh, This morning we saw a piece or a part of Paul's Christ-centered mindset, uh, something I described as his driving passion or obsession in life. Um, if you have your if you have your handout there in the very um, top of the, which by the way I think does anyone have these in the back? All right, Doug's getting them. If you need one, just slip your hand up and they can get you one of these. I know some of you like to take notes that way. But that front paragraph, you just see that with me. Um, This morning we saw Paul's driving passion or obsession in life. That is uh, to gain more of Christ, to be found in him, and to know him more and more. That's a part of Paul's Christ-centered mindset. For Paul to gain the whole world, but not Christ is to have nothing, whereas to gain Christ and lose everything is to possess all that really matters. Tonight we'll look at the mindset, at his mindset again, to see what I'm going to call his unrelenting determination. Okay, so this morning's sermon, tonight's sermon, and the next two sermons, we look at different aspects of Paul's Christ-centered mindset And tonight we see a little bit of his unrelenting determination. That's how I'm going to uh, try to capture it. Look with me in your Bibles at Philippians 3, uh, verse 12. Uh, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning in verses 8 through 11, we saw Paul's all-consuming desire to know Christ, but I think that only tells a part of the story. Tells a Paul, it gives a, a shade of Paul's mindset. But if those verses are left to themselves, they don't give the full perspective of the Apostle Paul. In verses 12 through 14, um, we see that Paul reveals his imperfections and his own inabilities as, as well. In other words, Paul didn't have it all figured out when it it came to knowing Jesus Christ. And uh, as we go through this text, I think it will be in some ways encouraging to you. At least that's my prayer, that's my hope and desire. And I think that we we, we see Paul's transparency in this text uh, by, by seeing that he gives two humble acknowledgments Two humble acknowledgments. And this passage is very parallel in that um, what you find in verses 12 through 14 are two disclaimers that Paul makes about his present life with Christ or his present level of knowledge of Christ, followed by two responses or affirmations. 
Okay, and so if you're looking at your notes, you see on the front page, you've got number one, acknowledgement, number one, a disclaimer and an affirmation. You flip it over, you think maybe I messed up, but you have a disclaimer and an affirmation again. Paul's very parallel in our passage. And so let's look at Paul's first humble acknowledgement. Acknowledgement number one, I would state this way. Paul says, although I am not perfect, so you've got a blank there, I am not perfect, I press on. Verse 12. And again, his main idea comes in two parts, a disclaimer and an affirmation. The first part of verse 12 gives his disclaimer, and he actually admits two things to the Philippians here. First, he says that he has not already obtained or received this. Okay, now understand that little part of the phrase, you need, to say, you need to ask yourself, what does he mean when he says this? Well, this refers back to the verses before, and I would suggest that what, Paul, what this means is his desire to know Christ thoroughly or fully. Okay, and so Paul admits um, that he has not fully grasped Christ yet, that's the first disclaimer. One commentator by the last name of Hawthorne in the word biblical commentary says it this way. He said, as intense as Paul's desire may be, he has not yet fully grasped the full significance in Christ, of Christ. In other words, he's not yet arrived at a full eschatological knowledge of Christ. The interesting things that I found this week in studying this passage are a lot of parallels between this text and a text in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we won't, we won't turn there tonight, but the parallels exist with the word perfect a little bit later on in verse 12. I'm not already perfect. And the repeated emphasis of the word knowledge. And if, if you know 1 Corinthians at all, you know that at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says that, he had, uh, that, that the church has not yet fully experienced the perfect. Okay? And he's using the same word for perfect in our Philippians text. But when that perfect happens, whatever that is in 1 Corinthians, Paul says at that point we will be known even as also we are known. Okay, and, and you stop and you think about that text. What is Paul saying when he says there's coming a day when the perfect happens? And when that occurs, we will be known even as also we are known. I think that this future day, and I'm not going to tell you what I think it is now. I'm doing 1 Corinthians next time. We'll be there in about a year and a half. Uh, so you just hang on. Okay. But whenever this perfect maturation occurs for the church, at that point, we're going to have full and complete knowledge. We are going to know to the same level that Jesus knows us now. So going back to this text in Philippians, Paul says, It's not as if I had already obtained this. I think he's saying that he has not yet arrived at a full or complete knowledge of Christ. That's his first disclaimer. And then he acknowledges, number two in verse 12, It's not as if I am already perfect. Here again, I think he's describing the fact that he's not been able to reach absolute perfection 
in the sphere of the knowledge of Christ. The word perfected that's used here uh, means meeting the highest standard of goodness and virtue or being mature or full grown. Okay, so in, in Philippians 3 and verse 12, Paul admits that his knowledge of Christ is not entirely full grown. It is still a work in progress. One of the reasons this will be encouraging to us is when, I don't know about you, but when I read the zeal of Paul and his heart to know Christ more and more, you almost, in verses 8 through 11, think, this guy's like perfect. He's got it all down. And here he gives these two disclaimers. It's not as if I've already obtained this complete knowledge of Christ that I'm looking for. And I'm not already perfect. But how do you respond when you see your own shortcomings and weaknesses? We're going to see how Paul responds here in just a moment. But I think when we are confronted with our own weakness, often I think we can respond in one of two ways and neither are very good. We might merrily, complacently go on our way without many thoughts about the significance of our failures in Christ or our imperfections. Or others respond often by growing greatly discouraged as if we are the only ones to continue to continually fail in this spiritual struggle. And may I encourage you with this this evening Paul struggled too, especially in his understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He had not already received what he was going for, and he was not already perfect. But he follows these two weaknesses with an affirmation, and that's the last part of verse 12. Look at verse 12 again, right in the middle of the verse. After acknowledging his weaknesses, he says, But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus made me his own. Paul responds here by pressing on to make this knowledge of Christ his own. Rather than the thought of his imperfection causing him to quit or to grow discouraged, it it motivates him to press ahead. The two words press on are very important because they're the main verb of verse 12. The main idea is captured here with this idea of pressing on. It means to pursue or to chase after something. Interestingly, Paul uses this verb uh, earlier in chapter 3 in verse 6. Look at at verse 6 with me. He's describing his own Jewish pedigree in verse 5. He says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor. That's how it's translated by the ESV here. A persecutor of the church. One who hunted down or hunted after the church. Paul says, you want to talk about my zeal for the law of Moses. I was the sort of person who kept on pursuing the leaders of the church. But when Paul was converted, he began to chase after something different. Now he's no longer chasing after the church to persecute them. Now he's chasing after knowing Christ. 
See, God changed the zeal of the Apostle Paul for the law of Moses. And he replaced it with a zeal for the person and work of Jesus Christ. And although Paul had his own limitations and shortcomings, I haven't received it fully. I'm not perfect. I respond in this way, though, but I'm chasing after it. I'm pressing on. The end of verse 12, because Christ Jesus made me his own, I see as one of the reasons why Paul is pressing on to know Christ more. And that's Christ's firm grasp and knowledge of him, of Paul actually compels him to chase after a fuller, more comprehensive knowledge of Christ. I always use the illustration on uh, one of the one of the great themes of scripture that really doesn't receive a lot of attention is the idea of being known by God. Most of the occurrences of the word knowledge when communicated or connected with God speaks of the believer's relationship to know God. We must know God. But I found at least on 20 occurrences throughout the Old and New Testament, the reverse concept where writers of scriptures will sometimes describe the fact that God knows someone. All throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament as well, you find this concept. And what I believe Paul is saying here is something like this. I press on. I want to know Jesus and grasp him because he grasped me. Or he knows me fully. Used to use this illustration on the concept of being known by God. Imagine that I were to go up. With one of my children, we'll choose Levi since he's not in the room uh, this evening. And I I would uh, go out into the woods or into some mountainous area and I would take my son uh, on this little hike. So let's imagine we went up to the top of a cliff and I wanted to determine who was stronger, Levi or myself. And no smart comments, please, at this point. And so uh, what I would do with Levi is I would hold him out over the edge of the cliff. Levi's hand, his little hand, inside of my arm and hand. Okay, and so uh, the picture is, I, I, I wouldn't do this, don't worry. But I'm holding him over the edge. Okay. Now, what would happen if Levi let go of me? What's the right answer to this question? Nothing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Nothing. Why? Because I've got it. Nothing's going to happen. But what would happen if we reversed the scenario and as I'm holding him and he's got his little hand clutching my wrist, he or I, I let go of him. After a period of time, perhaps it would not be good news. I use that illustration from time to time in this text in 1 Corinthians 1 to describe the embrace of God on believers. Okay. And I think the truth is God and his goodness and grace is much stronger, of course, than we will ever be. And he's grasping on to us. 
But one of the things I found in my own walk with the Lord is that the more you understand the embrace of God for you as a believer, the more you, with your own little wee hands, begin to embrace him back. As we go through this text, Paul says, But I press on to make this my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. As we go uh, to the very next part, you flip the page to acknowledgement number two. He's not done giving disclaimers about his own shortcomings. And so acknowledgement number two is verses 13 and 14. And Paul says here, although I do not fully grasp Christ. Sorry about the short blank. Although I do not fully grasp Christ, I press on. That might sound familiar. Because Paul uses the same exact verb to give an affirmation, again, just like he did in verse 12, to a disclaimer that he makes here in verse 13. And so, uh, as we look at verse 13, it says, um, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here, his disclaimer is the first part of verse 13 when he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Okay, Paul does not imagine that he has made full knowledge of Christ his own yet. That's his disclaimer that's followed by his second affirmation. Although he has not yet fully acquired this complete knowledge of Christ, he does one thing. And the one thing that he does is he presses on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice again, this is the same verb as verse 12. And I think this pictures Paul's unrelenting attitude. He is not going to quit. doesn't fully grasp Christ, but uh, he will not quit. Perhaps Uh, You have been discouraged by your own lack of quick growth in your relationship with the Lord or your knowledge of him. Instead of quitting or growing complacent, you too, like Paul, must press on. You must chase after Jesus Christ. So we respond to Paul the Apostle. But in, in order to understand the idea even better... I think it's important for us in verses 13 and 14 to ask two questions. The two questions I want to ask, you can write these down in your notes and consider them. I'll also try to answer them. The first question is this. What is the goal or the prize of which Paul is speaking of here? Okay, in this passage, he talks about pressing on to this goal or this prize what is that? Let me make just a few observations from my perspective. And, and you might disagree on these a little bit. Uh, we can talk about it afterwards. But this is, you know, the fruit of my own study of this text. I personally believe that the, the words or concepts of the goal and the prize are roughly synonymous. They're roughly synonymous. They're basically the same line. 
The goal would be a word that would often be used in a race to describe the finish line or the finish post upon which a runner would focus his attention. Okay, so that is the way the word could be used. But when Paul uses this metaphor, what does he mean? What goal or prize should believers fix their eyes on? It came across all kinds of different ideas. Well, most of them are related in some way. Some people think that the goal or the prize is the resurrection of his physical body. And that could be it. Others say, no, the goal or the prize that keeps Paul running, keeps him pressing on to know Christ more, is the sum of all of the rewards given or offered to believers. So it's things like hearing well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or it's one of the lists of the crowns, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life that Paul has promised to believers. Or it's, it's the robes that we will inherit someday. In heaven. So some people say the goal or the prize would be the sum of all of the rewards uh, of a believer. Others say, no, the goal or the prize that, that Paul is looking at, that he keeps pressing on toward, is heaven itself. Heaven itself, or another answer that I think makes more sense out of this passage in its context, is that the goal or the prize is knowing Christ fully. Knowing Christ fully. I've got all these problems, these limitations. Not already perfect. All these disclaimers, but there's one thing I'm keeping my eye on, and that is the goal or the prize of knowing Christ fully. Second and final question I think we need to ask or to understand to make sense out of this text is what is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? You got this phrase that keeps like going on. I press on for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul does this sometimes. It just feels like you're going down into this really dark black hole. You just keep going farther and farther. You're going, maybe in this case, up higher and higher, and he just keeps getting more and more complex. But what is the upward call of God? I believe that the upward call of God, or the heavenly call of God, probably speaks of the call that believers receive at their conversion that promises heavenly blessing in the future. So when Paul was converted, he received an upward call. So Paul presses on to pursue the heavenly call to know Christ, this call that he received when he was converted. But there's one little part of the text we haven't dealt with yet this evening. And that is the middle part of verse 13, where Paul explains how to keep going or press on. Okay, so go back in your Bibles and look with me at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and he's going to continue what that one thing is in verse 14, I press with the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But in between here, you have two participles which indicate how Paul presses on. 
How in the world can you press on to keep grasping more and more of Jesus, Paul? And here's his answer. Number one, I am forgetting what lies behind. What do you think he means here? Which we could take a minute or two and you just write down your answer. What does Paul mean when he says that he's forgetting the things behind? Again, there's a bunch of different opinion on this one. We might find this one out in heaven for certain. It could mean that he is describing spiritual failures, whether that was before his conversion or after his conversion or both. So, you know, Paul is saying, but I I press on to know Jesus more. And one thing I'm doing, I'm forgetting all those failures in the past. Or it could be that he's describing even something as good as spiritual victories. Or, and I like this idea best, I always save the best one for last. I hate to tell you that because then you only pay attention to the very end. It may be that he means both. Past spiritual failures and success, anything in the past he forgets so that he might press on. Forgetting the things behalf was, was this phrase is used of a runner forgetting all the territory that he had already covered, realizing that there was a part of the race that still lies ahead. This means we must forget past spiritual failures. Aren't you glad that there are texts of scriptures like I wrote a few of these down in the margin of my notes tonight. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, you finish it. So far has he removed our trespasses or transgressions from us. Aren't you glad that's there? And of course, we know that in the New Testament, the way by which God does that for us is through the completed work of Jesus Christ. So that there are passages in the New Testament as well. And I wrote this one down. Don't you love Romans 8.1? No, Pastor Daniel does. He speaks on Romans all the time. Where Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As a direct result of God's goodness and grace to us, because of the completed work of Jesus Christ, we can forget all about past spiritual failures. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And in a passage where Paul talks about all his limitations, all the ways he hasn't achieved yet, he may just be describing that. It also means we put past spiritual victories behind us. So that we might press on. We cannot rest in all the scriptures that we memorized when we were younger. Or in all the Bible classes that we have taken. Or all the theology courses that we've taken. Or all the theology that we've learned earlier in our life. Or all the people that we've seen come to know Jesus over the years. And just kind of relax. Paul says, if you want to ask me how I'm pressing on, I'm forgetting the things which are behind. And then the second part of the how is I'm straining forward to 
the things which are before. Here Paul gives new and increased efforts to lunge forward in his quest to know Christ. And men and women, despite our shortcomings and our limitations, we must have unrelenting determination to know Christ. In a few moments of application here at the end of our sermon, I I want to caution you about saying one or two things in my presence. There are a few little pet peeves that I have. One of the things I would long for, and I hope that is never be said of our church, is that anyone in this assembly would ever use their, their age as an excuse for not pressing on to know Jesus Christ more fully. And I recognize, and I'm beginning to recognize more and more, I know I'm only 40, but the fact that this old shack is deteriorating. This physical body is breaking down. And it may become more and more difficult physically for us to keep pressing on to know Christ Jesus. But would you pray with me that you would never use your age as an excuse to quit pursuing or chasing after Jesus? The other thing I would encourage you never to say, at least in my presence, (laughs) is I do not want to hear someone saying, well, I'm not really that smart, so I can't dig in deeper in the Bible to get to know Christ more. And my simple, now I've prayed through this, my spirit-filled response would be to say that is nonsense. This is your upward call that you received when you were converted to know Christ more and more. That is the goal or the prize to which you may aim. And even or when you fail, you must press on to know Christ more and more. Let's go to the Lord and and ask him to help us do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of working through these verses. Thank you for the heart of the Apostle Paul. Lord, I am even grateful this evening for his disclaimers, his acknowledgments. He acknowledges that he has not fully obtained it. That he's not already perfect. And Father, we admit to you our own limitations and shortcomings when it comes to knowing Christ and keeping him at the center of our mindset. And I pray, Lord, for this assembly. I would pray that you would help us respond like Paul did. Help us not to become discouraged or to quit or to give up, but help us to press on. So we might make Jesus our own. We're thankful for it, Lord. Pray that you would enable us to live this way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought it would be fitting as a...